Uh, hey, it's Lucas, Dominique, and Ethan, and Gabriela, and our podcast is about night, which is by Ellie, whatever. And during this section of the book, uh, Ellie and the rest are escorted to a four-hour walk to a work camp called Buna, and they are required to quarantine and have medical inspections. Eliezer is chosen by Capo to serve in a unit of prisoners whose job entails counting electrical parts in a warehouse. Not long after Eliezer and his father arrive in Buna, Eliezer is summoned to the dentist to have his gold teeth crown, gold tooth crown pulled. He manages to plead illness and postpone having the crown removed. Soon after, the dentist is condemned to hanging for illegally trading in gold teeth. They later meet Edek, the capo in charge of Eliezer's work crew. The theory is that Edek is, pro- is prone to madness and is later proven when he beats Eliezer unprovokingly. Later on, Eliezer's father also falls victim to Edek's rages. However, these two were not the only victims of Edek's violence. Eventually, the end of summer comes and the Jewish holidays arrive, and the Jews at Buna decide to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. By praying and praising their faith. However, they have trouble deciding whether to fast, and Eliezer decides not to because he doesn't believe in that stuff. All right. So I'm the connector. So my connections I put for the first one in the book when it says our comrades were right the work was not difficult sitting on the ground we connected bolts bulbs and various electrical parts and i connected that to the industrial revolution in the united states when many people and even kids had to work in like different factories and do dangerous jobs like working with machinery my uh, second connection was in the book when it says I no longer felt anything except for the lashes of the whip. And like, I connected that with slavery in the United States, even though they're both very like different events that occurred, they were both happened to different groups of people or either race or religion, and they were tortured and hurt. Um, the third connection I put was when the book says, that was when we began to hear the planes almost the same moment the barrack began to shake they're bombing the Buna factory, someone shouted. And I connected that with other World War II events when it says when uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed by Japan, which was what got the U.S. involved in World the uh, World War. So is there any other um, connections that you guys would connect with that chapter? Um, I definitely agree with the uh, Pearl Harbor connection. I think that was really good. But with the connection of the Industrial Revolution and the kids working in the camps, I can see that, but I think there could have been a better connection, maybe something closer to... I can't really think of that, but I don't think that that fully encompasses it because it's different time periods even though they are somewhat close in relative history. Yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> um, we can also make more connections to World War II with this, as it also happens in World War II. Uh, with the bombing, we can look at the Dresden firestorm, which burnt down the city of Dresden, um, which the British did against the Germans. Uh, 
and then we can think of like the aces in exile who performed a lot of those uh bombings because they were exiled from their countries as they were under german control um it's kind of ironic that the germans are being bombed by their now german empire I agree with that. I can see that, yeah. Alright, I think it's my turn. Alright. Yep. So, I have to find examples of bias, and I'll, I'll, I, I'm just saying this this whole page does not make any sense for this kind of story, because, oh, I wonder, bias against the Nazis? No way! A man who's being tortured by the Nazis has bias against the Nazis? No way! So, yeah, he's biased against the SS because they uh, starved him and beat him and did all these things. Oh, he's biased against the Capos because they whipped him against the crate. Um, Pathos, yes, they, they, they tugged at the, at the um, reader's heartstrings, uh, especially when that French woman talked to Ellie after he was beaten um, because it's Ellie's book is a world of darkness but this moment is a crack in the wall that allows a filtering of light to get through um, and logos for logic there, there's there's really not that much logic as this isn't a, this isn't a story of comeuppance this isn't a, a, a hero's journey this is a retelling of his experiences and the horrors he the horrors and atrocities that he saw and experienced. Okay. So, do you guys feel that uh, Ellie Weisel is trustworthy um, in this, and that he's standing from an objective point that is trustworthy? I do, because most, almost everybody at that time, or who went to the camps, or had this, like, all have the same kind of like similar experiences and like have to live in the harsh conditions and like don't have good health and struggle a lot so i feel like his account is pretty trustworthy um and on my part i feel like his account is trustworthy for the most part except whenever someone goes through severe trauma they might have distorted memories of whatever they went through and what he go went through is definitely severe trauma and it is a personal account, not many other people, just his account in this book. So I feel like there could be a little bit of untrustworthy, but untrustworthiness. There, there could, but it, if that untrustworthiness is that he's dampening what happened, if anything, because there are a lot of holes, not major yeah. like plot holes, but he doesn't go into severe detail of his whippings or any atrocities he saw. Oh, dude got hanged. That's pretty much it. I think he would be trustworthy because he's the one experiencing it. Maybe he doesn't like include like all of it, but I think he's the one experiencing it. Can I also reiterate? Who lies about being in the Holocaust? (laughs) I'm not saying he would lie about being in the Holocaust. I'm just saying that subconsciously he might distort some of the memories because of the severe trauma he went through. I'm not talking about you. It's just. Who would lie about (laughs) your experiences in the Holocaust? Oh, the SS members were really nice to me. Like, who was going to believe that? Oh, I experienced, I went into a chamber 
Oh, yep, that sounds like a lot of other stories we've heard and movies we've seen <laughs> yep. and books we've read. There's also another thing I want to add about um, the bias. I think that Ellie, because he's trying to figure out whether he really believes in the Jewish religion and how he feels about it, I think he might have a slight bias towards the people who are like strictly like very initiated into Jewish religion and who just strongly believe in it because he's trying to figure it out. So I think he might have a little bias against them too. Yeah, you can kind of see that when he talks about his Czechoslovakian friend who started praying as they were um, marching, if you remember that part at the very end of the chap- uh, end of the pages we read. Um, yeah, I do. And he was like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't think he was that kind of person. So, perhaps. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something you'd say if you were biased. Also, I um, just don't think anyone would make excuses for what they experienced. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I believe that leads on to me. So I was the structure analysis checker. And so basically what I am supposed to do is I'm supposed to see if the structure matches with the passage. And I think how Eli Eli structured it is perfect for the type of thing he's doing. All Each paragraph for full fulfills the purpose of moving the story along and it keeps it going. There's not really a big break in anywhere. And when there is, the paragraph explains it. And there's no real introduction or strict end because we're reading page amounts instead of specific chapters because the book doesn't really have that. But it flows really well and he does a very good job of making the story make sense and making it comprehensive for the reader. Now, the effectiveness of his structure, it's really clear. It's easy to follow. Even if you don't know anything previously about the Holocaust, it fills you in subconsciously, and it makes you really think about it and understand what they went through. And I think it definitely supports the purpose of this novel, which is to be a personal account of the ordeal he went through and how he saw it. Now, I mean, what do you guys think about the structure? Do you think it really supports what he's trying to talk about does it fit i think so because it goes in order of events and uh, the only part that doesn't go in order of events is when he talks about how he uh, saw like the french lady later in his life or whatever but even then it still goes with what he's talking about and like it's content yeah like the events just flow in order and i think like it makes it easier to understand and for like readers to like enjoy well not necessarily enjoy what happened but like in like understand like the book and stuff yeah um it's in chronological order there it, it yeah there's nothing else to say about that it, it's it, it's a retelling of his experiences you're not gonna jump around you're not gonna have a structured text like you're writing an essay mm-hmm. it, it's a story also. Not, not a story as in the way of, oh, it's a tall tale, it's a myth. It's just a story. It's a personal account of some real event. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that leads us into the questions from Gabby. Okay, so the first question I'm going to ask would be, when do you think was Eliezer's breaking point for his faith? Like, when do you think... My bad, continue. <laughs> oh. No, I was just going to say, like, when do you think, like, was his final, like, straw? I was going to say, like, when he saw, like, the younger 
kid like be hanged or whatever because like i feel like that was when he really started talking about how like he doesn't believe that there's like kind of like a god or like a higher power up there if he lets all of this like bad stuff happen to all like these people when it's like not their fault mm-hmm. um it it really seems like after he he left Birkenau that he was already at a loss of faith. Um, and then going to Buma, I, I feel like after he entered Buma, he finally like subconsciously lost his faith. He still said that he had his faith, but he didn't. You know, he didn't truly believe. Yeah, I I definitely agree with Dom. I I agree more with Dom because I feel like after he saw that that. He still had a little bit of faith in him, but after he saw that just happen in front of him, he was almost in disbelief. He couldn't believe that whoever was up there in his religion was letting that happen and just watching and not doing anything about it. I, I do agree, though. If there was any certain point, if he if he wasn't subconsciously already lost faith, then that was the point that broke, that was the, the piece of straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next question would be, what do you think was going through Eliezer's head when Edek hit his father? I think that he was kind of like, scared, not like necessarily scared in a way, but he knows that like his like father's like getting older and especially like he's aging so much being at the camps because of health and everything. So I think like mm-hmm. worried about his father and feel and like, worries for his health and, like, what will happen to him in the future. Mm-hmm. Of course, he had a outburst of emotion. Not It didn't have to be in a physical manner that he had this outburst, but he seeing that, it obviously is going to hurt him mentally. This man that he has known his entire life, loves dearly, getting beaten is always going to hurt someone like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that he was just, it was kind of him hurting and maybe his way of expressing how he felt, almost. Mm-hmm. Okay, so another question is, why do you think Akaba Drummer was chosen for the selection? I don't know if that's how you're saying his name, but why do you think he was chosen? Um, he was a capo, right? Yeah. Was he a capo? I'm pretty sure he was. Well, he was chosen by... Oh, to, go, to, to go with uh, with Mangel, right? Yes. Like, why do you oh, think he was Oh, because he was, he was in his peak physical health, and that's... he, Dr. Mangel, as we know, in a retrospective, that he is an evil, evil man who did tests on the best possible subjects he could find. You're not going to, you're not going to do scientific tests that you're trying to figure out the human body even more than we already know on a test subject that has pre-existing conditions or is in their seventies or is, you know, extremely obese unless you're going mm-hmm. for those specific issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most reasonable issue. It could have also been contributed if they were doing anything mental. He he also seemed pretty mentally healthy. He wasn't going insane or anything. So I think that 
contributed to it too, but it was definitely a lot of the physical, how he was just almost in perfect shape. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, the next question would be, uh, do you think that Eliezer used his resources, meaning his gold teeth and his shoes, correctly? Do you think he was smart with that decision? No. Uh, yeah, definitely not. I, especially with the shoes, I think, well, he didn't really know what was going to happen, but in in retrospect, I, he probably should have taken what he could have gotten. And I feel like after the first lesson, too, he could have used his gold teeth much wiser. It it was just kind of bad. It was just kind of bad choice on his part, but you can't blame him. I can agree with that. He just he was very very uh, frugal with how he was going to use it, but then that frugality got the best the best of him because he didn't take those great opportunities he had to use his his wealth that he kept. Um, but then it just went to waste. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it ended up, like, his decisions ended up hurting him more in the long run than, like, he thought they would. Okay, so the last question is just, overall, do you think that, well, I think we talked about this earlier, but do you think, well, Eliezer was very like, had enough detail in his experience at the camp? I think we said, like, yes, he allowing us to, like, be part of that. But do you, there was anything he could have, like, been more detailed about? Well, he's explaining an entire year of his life in a 100-page book. You know, mm -hmm. Especially, he's not going to be able to get through all those unless this thing was going to be 700 pages or 1,000. Yeah. yeah. He, he could definitely give more detail to what, like, he just said he was whipped. What was he whipped with? What, um, uh, what was the block like? Like, we understand they were, they were cinder block buildings, but he didn't get mm -hmm. into how it felt inside of there. Um, yeah. He didn't even, we only found out that, oh, he has his morning, he has his evening soup out in the middle of the street with all the rest of them when they he was like oh the pots of soup were out you know that had barely any context but you can and, see um, the clues to figure it out and building on what ethan said he he did do a pretty good job of describing his emotions but i feel like he could have done a better job because he only described it at parts where it was like like the only thing that mattered I feel like he really could have given us a little more insight, especially on those slower times, maybe when he was eating soup in the street. Like if you, if he didn't feel like he fit in because of his religion or because of his lack in belief of the religion that they were all there for, I feel like he could have described his emotions a little better. Um, I feel like he, he felt like an outcast, not only because he was at a loss of religion. Also, he was in, um, in Buma. So, you know, that's kind of being an outcast in just population is general when you're in a concentration camp or a depot yeah, yeah. Just, just a thought. i i do feel though like he did like a okay job with like talking about like what he saw like feelings wise but i feel like he should have added more like detail about like that connect to like, senses and stuff because like we don't really know like the color of things like what things like feel like like color smell all that kind of stuff as much 
we just kind of get the basic description as you said like it'll be like, like a thing of soup well like what does the soup taste like like you know what i mean i feel like if we got more description we could like understand better you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think we understand well yeah. not that we don't understand but like you get what i mean yes i think we do <laughs> All right. Okay. Are you going to close it off or what? Uh, uh, do you want me to close it off? Okay. Thank you for yes, listening, Miss uh, Miss Powell. Ooh, who else is listening to this podcast? No one because it's about a book that has been explained in detail way too many times. Not too many times, but a lot of other people who do it way better than a bunch of sophomores in high school. Um... <laughs> So yeah, if you're someone else watching this, why? Um, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but, thank you for listening. Have a nice rest of your day. And also, who f- would fake being in the Holocaust?